What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Amanda, and welcome to another episode of the Hey Sugar Podcast. She's got a story. Yeah, she's got a story. She's got a story. Yeah, she's got a story. Yeah, she's got a story. I was about to say happy Wednesday, but it's not a Wednesday. It's a Thursday. This recording, uh... It's a Thursday and it's a good day, y'all. I woke up kind of funky today. I just wasn't feeling it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have my coffee. It was a moving truck blocking my car. I couldn't go to the grocery store. I just was not ready for this morning, but I got started, got my day started. And then I have my guest walk through the door and he's just like a ray of light. You know what I'm saying? He just helped me shift my mood. So I'm excited to have him here today. But man, you know, it's been crazy, this podcast experience. Um, I've been talking a lot about entrepreneurship, you know, and um, you guys know I'm an entrepreneur. And uh, lately, my stories have been so amazing speaking to people that have jumped out, took the leap of faith, did what they wanted to do, felt their calling or their purpose, and they did their thing. And I'm just amazed at um, who they are as an individual, the lives that they've touched, and also like the dopeness that they have, like they're just amazingly dope. Um, So I know that I'm dope. I hope you know that you're dope too. Always remember that. Trust your dopeness whenever you are stepping out, doing anything that you feel that you're called to do, that you're gifted to do, trust your dopeness. So my guest today, now listen, Y'all know I used to have a business in Claremont, but uh, pre-Claremont, I had a business in Upland and I met this gentleman um, by happenstance. I was searching out the different uh, spaces in the area and he happened to have a space and we didn't really connect then. And then maybe like a couple years later, we reconnected and I actually met him in person, but I didn't know it was him until we started talking in our conversation. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember you. And since then we've been connected. He was very instrumental in helping me with my business when it was in Claremont. And I've seen him launch some things and he's just, he's just, just an amazing guy. Y'all gonna love him. I'm telling you, he, he's funny. <laughs> Y'all gonna love him, but give it up for my friend, Timothy Marenzi. Do not butcher it. Thank you. Yes. Hey, I try. You know, sometimes I got to write it down phonetically for me because I'm sure people have butchered your name, right? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. All the time. I expect it though. So but yeah. it's okay. Oh, well, I'm glad I was on point today. <laughs> well, Timothy is an entrepreneur. I call him a modern day Renaissance man. Like, like, yeah. Without the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I haven't seen you step out. Most times I see you, you know, it's, it's casual. So got to be comfortable. Yeah, you really do. I'm not, I've never been like the business casual, like suit. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was leasing apartments, I was, and I felt like special, but that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Aside from that, it was too, it was too like tight. I felt like I was constantly getting a hug in the California heat. Constantly getting a hug. Yeah. So tight (laughs) hug. I love that. I'm I'm gonna start using that. (laughs) I feel like I'm constantly getting a hug. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So like I said, Timothy is an entrepreneur. I call him a modern day Renaissance man. Um, He has an amazing entrepreneur journey that I'm excited to share today. So Timothy, tell me a little bit about you and uh, how did you get into entrepreneurship? Like where did that come from? Oh man. Well, I was born in 1990. 
uh, to <laughs> West go that Philadelphia, yeah. born and raised. <laughs> <laughs> no, I grew up in uh, in New York, and my family had my family were like the partiers. Like any any party we had, we always had like the DJ. It wasn't even like a band or anything. Always a DJ. Okay. Um, imagine this: you walk into a room full of people dancing, and you look over to your right, and there's this DJ booth, and you see this little boy there just staring at the lights. I'm mm-hmm. that little boy. Okay. Like staring. At everything, the lasers, just, you know, watching the DJ play music with, you know, headphones. I just fell in love with it, mm. um, aside from just loving music in general. So I was age 13. Okay. Um, and then one day for my birthday, my stepdad came home and he handed me a business card and he's like, happy birthday. I was like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> piece of card. Like, what do you want me to do with this? Um, and so he, one of his friends was a DJ. Okay. And so I started uh, roadieing for him, uh, carrying in the equipment. Really? And, yeah. Uh, at age 13, uh, wow. probably illegal nowadays because <laughs> you can't work <laughs> at age 13. Um, but, you know, I, I just started carrying an equipment, watching him, you know, do his thing on on parties and weddings. And yeah. um, I just like it was just love at first sight. And then I think three months later, it wasn't even like a whole year, but three months later, went to my dad. I was like, I want to be my own DJ. Like, I want I want my own thing. And he's like, no, <laughs> you're, you're like 13. You can't do that. I was like, watch me. I'm I'm a I'm a big person with if someone says no I'm gonna do the opposite I was mm. always that way okay um, mistake on my dad's side for sure and so um, my the guy I was running with wound uh-huh. up selling my dad his first system uh-huh. uh, I, I think at the time it was like maybe 500 bucks for a whole DJ system wow uh, and then I bought all the music I think I had upwards of like three thousand or so CDs. Um, and it just, the rest is history. My first like major gig was a cancer benefit for what would be my middle school, um, at the time. So that's crazy. Yeah. And I just, you know, built it up and then went off to college at age 18. But hold up. What was your DJ name? Okay. Don't yell at me. I, I did not have like your traditional DJ skip or DJ this DJ that I, it literally was a company um, and it was Long Island Music and Entertainment. Okay. So I, I wasn't like DJ Tim or some fancy schmancy. <laughs> I wasn't doing it for the name. <laughs> I wasn't a club DJ. Okay, we got to give you a name. We got to give we you a DJ name. It. Yeah. DJ, DJ, DJ Murr. DJ, I like that. But it might be, I think, I feel like that's taken. <laughs> There's some copyright things with that. <laughs> I like that though, DJ Murr. I like that. Okay, DJ Murr. All right. Yeah. All right. So then you went off to college. Well, I sold the company. You sold the company, okay. Yeah. And then I went off to college Look against my parents' wills. That was the beginning right there, right. selling the company. That was my first exit. And how old were you when you sold it? I was 18, 17, 18, yeah. And I grew it from one little system, mm-hmm. obviously buying new equipment as I went on. Um, I had two employees. Uh, we were doing like parties every weekend. Wow. It was really, really like amazing for a 13 year old, I think. And like my other friends, they were out smoking weed, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting drunk, going to the beach. And yeah. um, it's just, I, I, I just never connected that way. Like there was, there was more to life in, in that time in my mind. Cause I had gone through a lot too, mm-hmm. like 13, 14, 15, like you're going through some serious mental, mental stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then even, even when I was like 16, 17, I, I became suicidal. Um, mm. I maybe blame it on the, me being an entrepreneur. I don't know, but 
Um, you know, then there was the dark period where I felt like I was really discovering who I was. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think looking back now, it was because I never connected with those friends that were always smoking and drinking. And I felt lonely, like I didn't have friends, but I was also really happy running my own business. And, um, I had like maybe one or two good friends that I hung out with. Mm-hmm. So I think that may have played a role in it. And then of course I was also the first in my high school to come out as gay. Mm. So then there was that intertwined with, with everything. And it's a lot, it's a lot, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a 16 year old mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And yeah, that was a lot. And so did you, in that experience that you were going through all of that, um, did you find solace or peace in being a DJ and doing <clears throat> the music and, or was it more so being running the business is where you felt peace or solace? Where I felt peace most was just being, Mm. just doing what I felt was right, which is like looking back, we were just talking beforehand about like my mantra, Mm -hmm. like looking back, that's where it really began was, was understanding that, you know, I can do whatever I want to do. If I want to go work at a bakery, which I did actually a bakery in Rocky Point, New York, Uh I think it was called, um, crap, what was it called? I forgot the name of it. Oh, Tilda's Bakery in Rocky Point, New York. Uh-huh. So if you have any, I'm curious if you have any audience that's in Rocky Point, New York, Tilda's Bakery I used to work at. Um, and I forgot where I was going with that, but it was just about being like, just doing whatever I want to do want. versus having to be, you know, a puppet for a nine to five job and, mm. and you know, working my life away. Uh, I think it was just, yeah, me being in the moment yeah. is what made me happiest. Being you. Right. Being you. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's a major move to be selling a company at that age and having employees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of dope. Yeah. For 18 year old. It wasn't even like employees to me. It was literally like two of my friends <laughs> <laughs> um, and stuff like that. So I never even then. And even today, I don't see employees as employees. Um, I just never I've never connected. I'm like a very unorthodox person when it comes to business. Like I do everything very differently from the traditional way. Mm hmm. Um, and it's because I, I just like figuring out things that work better for me Yeah. because that's, I mean, it's my business. It's, it's something that I think a lot of people should understand is when they go into business, it needs to be what they feel that their business should do. Not what Jane Doe down the street said that she mm-hmm. feels that your business should do. Cause that's, that's just one person's opinion. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, like we we're just talking about that. It's like, mm-hmm. it's your business. You do what you feel you should do. You charge what mm-hmm. you feel you should charge. Right. Know your worth. Right? And people are willing to pay that. That's phenomenal. Like right. If you charge $250 an hour and Jane down the road is charging $25 an hour and you're getting customers, that that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Then stick with it. There's no need to change and go lower because Jane's lower. No. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So you, you go to college and mm-hmm. what happens next mm-hmm. in your journey of being an entrepreneur? It was actually right before college that um, really kind of built my path in a sense on on what happens within the next like 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so right before I went off to college, I, I actually went to college initially for fashion merchandising mm. um, to Art Institute of Tampa. And I didn't really understand what fashion merchandising was because when I was in high school, um, there was a thing called BOCES, B-O-C-E-S. There was mm-hmm. like a... I guess like after school, but you left like after lunch and you went like to a whole different place. I think it was like an hour drive there. Okay. Um, and so it was like a vocational school, so mm-hmm. to speak. So 11th and 12th grade, we can go to vocational school. So I went for fashion design 
um, for vocational school. Fell in love with it. I sewed, I built, or I, I designed my own wedding dress and sewed it. Um, I enjoyed the design part of it. And then I was like, let me go into fashion merchandising, not really knowing what that entailed. Mm-hmm. Even though like my instructor was like, yeah, that's like buying clothes for major companies like Macy's, JCPenney, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first quarter college went off to fashion merchandising, hated it. Um, and then I switched um, right after mm-hmm. the first quarter and I went into interior design. But before I went even off to college, I've, I've always been interested in design to some extent. Um, I flunked math consistently because I was the, I literally printed floor plans and I brought them into, into class and I would redraw the floor plans based on how I felt that they should have been functional. Uh-huh. Um, and just like envi- envisioning myself going through the house and like, why is this closet here? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, and math was my least favorite subject. So I utilized it. Wow. <laughs> um, so I've always liked, you know, architecture, interior design. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, I switched to interior design. Um, and then I started getting clients right, right in college. Um, and so like, it was just, it just happened. It was you know, natural, like, huh? It was natural, hundred percent, hundred percent. So all through college, I was doing projects, interior designing. Um, I graduated college and then I moved, uh, Steven and I moved from Florida, Tampa, Florida, where we, where we, where I built the design firm. Um, we moved to California in 2013. And then even in California, like I just put my business on Yelp, like three weeks after moving here, I got my first project here in Cali. And so it just, and that kind of temp stems back to like, just things happen um, mm-hmm. around Timmy that just, they just flow. They just like, I guess, fall into place. Yeah. And that's how the design business really got, got started up and running. Effortlessly. Yeah. No marketing. I've never, I don't think I've ever dropped a penny in marketing and any company I've had. I've touched on like Facebook ads and stuff, but mm-hmm. Like the second I saw like $300 bill and not a single return on investment, I was like, screw that. Like I'm not, I'm not doing Facebook and I don't feel like hiring someone to do it. Yeah. So, uh, I just never did it. Um, wow. and I've, I've gotten clients, referral clients are always, you know, your best. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's the rest is history with that. Wow. Yeah. So you went from DJing to designing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then what? Tech. <laughs> <laughs> But there, there's, it's also important to know too, that in between all of this, mm-hmm. um, you know, after this actually really started in 2013, when I moved here, where I really got deep into entrepreneurship, I, I started a candle company cause I wanted, I really loved PF candle mm-hmm. in LA. I was like, I love their brand. I love everything about them. You know, I want to, I want to have something like that. So I started candles, worst thing ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Candles are too scientific. Uh-huh. My brain doesn't work in the scientific way. So then I went to soap. Um, <laughs> I, I did soap for a period of time. I had a whole closet full of material. And then mm-hmm. I got scared from soap because you have to use lye. And mm. there was an article I read of a soap maker who didn't have a license for lye and wound up getting arrested. I was like, whoa. <laughs> To me, in jail, it's not gonna. It's not gonna be good. It's not a good look. Soap is not. It's not for me. <laughs> um, so uh, soap was off the table. Uh, candles are off the table. That's and, no lie. <laughs> yeah, no, um, definitely not a lie. And so, really, throughout throughout like 2013 until even uh, recently, like I've I've just you know started things and yeah I've failed I've failed at a lot of crap mm-hmm. you know and I see all of that stuff that I stopped doing as failures and and the reason why I see them as failures versus me just quitting is because 
it was a failure. I, I, I didn't do good in it and it actually taught me what not to do on certain other things. So they yeah. were good lessons to have. Yeah, definitely. Sure. So tech happened around the time that we reconnected. Actually, remember I had started with social Mako mm-hmm. and social Mako was the um, social media management platform. And really that came about because I was tired of paying Hootsuite $130 a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I was lazy and I'd, I'd rather like to me, I'd rather come up with a bunch of money up front to pay for something I'm going to have forever mm-hmm. versus paying another company. It kind of stems from also having that nine to five job being a puppet. Yeah. And then I also never understood too why these major companies like Hootsuite and Buffer charge so much for a, a platform. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about it, there's no, there's no tangible item you're getting from that. It's, it's literally software that's hosted on a server Mm-hmm. And so it was a more affordable um, option for social media management. Um, And it worked out. It worked really, really well, the affordable side of it. Um, Then I wound up, because I remember we were talking too about, you know, getting involved with social Mako and, you know, that was, that was blowing up at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I fell out of love because I didn't expect it to get as big as it did. And I'm Mm. not, I'm not at all a social media person. Like I don't, I don't like social media. I, like at my core, I don't like Facebook. I don't really like Instagram. I never yeah, really post to it. You really don't. No. Yeah. I try to stay away. And so, you know, being at the mercy of Facebook, of LinkedIn, of Instagram, of Twitter, of all these platforms, like huge, huge companies at any moment, they can change their API and I would have to come up with like five grand to change our code to fit what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I was on like a, a string. I was a puppet. You know, um, so I wound up selling social Mako April 2020. Mm, right this, in the is a, this is a crazy story. Hmm. So April 2020, that was my second exit was social Mako. Um, I sold it to a Russian company um, mm-hmm. called Tangler Harbor. I'm big on dropping names, by the way, because they're they're unethical and they're never going to listen to this <laughs> anyway. So I don't mind. They might. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was a Russian company. They were they had a learning management system like uh, like Udemy, so mm-hmm. to speak. And they one thing that that I was very adamant about was if whoever takes this company, they have to continue my core values because every one of my companies are held to six core values, which are my own personal core values. Okay. And when we look at, you know, that, that was like the, the biggest thing for me. That was like my second company since the DJ company, which was many, many years before. Um, it, it, so it was really important for me that they kept the values and mm-hmm. the philosophy and just the way the company was built off of, because that's what the customers wanted. Right. And they like two weeks later after they acquired, um, after like promising me, yes, 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 you know, keep that. They were not doing that. Wow. Um, got into a really emotional wreck about it because it's my baby, of mm-hmm. course. And so they wound up uh, selling it to a third person or a second person, technically third person. I don't know. They sell it. They sold it yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. to a developer. And this developer, I, I'm very close with him, so I'm not going to say his name. Um, but this developer, he, his, he had very, very high hopes for it. Um, mm-hmm. The Russian company lied about how much money they were making per month. Um, so when he took it over, instead of what the Russian company said was $3,800 reoccurring revenue mm-hmm. monthly, it was actually only 500. Oh, wow. So he, yeah. And so he was basically scammed into buying social Manco. Um, then Facebook Cambridge Analytica happened and the Facebook 
uh, platform decided, well, this this privacy thing is is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to make sure all of our people that are using our API are in you know compliance with with privacy laws. So long story drawn out short, Facebook API closed for like five months at five hundred, dwindled down to like a hundred dollars monthly reoccurring, Jeez. and this developer was gonna just throw the company away. Um, he didn't want to do that because of the user. So he asked me if I wanted to reacquire social Mako. So I did. And now wow. I have social Mako back under my wing. <laughs> your baby. You got your it's baby no longer back. my baby. Cause I have a new one. <laughs> oh, you got another baby. Yeah. So, uh, after social Mako sold, I actually failed at another company called go analyze. It was, uh, in competition with Google analytics. Okay. Um, heat maps on websites, you know, click sessions, recording sessions, all that. Um, I didn't get a market fit for it, so uh, we just never really got anywhere with it, so I closed it, and shortly thereafter, I developed what I have now, which is Indima, uh, which is a social, oh, not social, wow, uh, which <laughs> is a business and project management tool for interior designers, since I'm an interior designer. Right. Um, so what, one thing I realized with, with that sector is that a lot of the platforms out there really weren't a unified platform. They didn't have everything a designer needed to to run their business and projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they claim they did, they always lack something where designers had to go and get a Trillo subscription and, mm-hmm. you know, QuickBooks subscription and yeah. like five other platforms. Uh, and it really, really like threw out their revenue because now they have a higher overhead having to have mm-hmm. all of these, you know, platforms try to talk to each other. So uh, Indima is really just an all-in-one platform, the truest in the truest form of an all-in-one for yeah. designers. And we're the first to the market to that. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And we're doing really well. Are so, you? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So tell me, with all the businesses that you started, mm-hmm. closed, shut down, or you, you may see them as a fail, um, what did you learn in all of that experience of starting businesses and businesses ending? Did you ever go through any time where you felt um, any grief from closing a business? Yeah. You do because you you've spent so much time, effort, money, um, so much emotional energy, mm-hmm. I'll say, um, building something, and then it becomes successful, um, like social Mako. Mm-hmm. and then you sell it. Of course, yeah. There, there's there's a sort of period of grief. Um, you know, you you doubt yourself. You you say, you know, could I have gotten it to a, a different level? Um, but I think the strongest thing, the strongest skill set an entrepreneur can have is recognizing when to actually get out. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a big, big thing too, because a lot of people, they just stick on to something, even though they know in their deepest of hearts that they yeah. shouldn't continue it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when things get a lot of out of hand. Um, so I, I think that for me, it was, it was really important to make that decision because I knew I couldn't get social Mako to where I envisioned it going. Right. And I was one person. I was, I mean, when, before, right before I sold it, it was 1200 users. Wow, um, 1800 reoccurring revenue a month. And so one person Managing. doing support tickets, um, product management, marketing, all of that, you know, there's, there's going to be a point where you either have to scale or you have to get out. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the means to scale, the only other option is getting out not sticking with it and seeing how long you can bootstrap it. Cause that, that, that fuse is real short. That's true. And I, I, I feel that all that because I had to do that with my own business, mm-hmm. you know, during the pandemic, it's like, Okay, let's look at the health of the business. Look, let's look what's going on in the economy. Yeah, is it time to let it go? You know what I mean. And you go through this. Well, I know I went through this experience of 
I had to have a really real heart to heart talk with myself. And you think about all the investment that I've made, you know, uh, the financial investments, like, it's just like, oh my God, like I have to let this, this baby go. And then, and then when you do that, sometimes you might go through some feelings where you, you feel like you're a failure, you know, like, right. You know, let's talk about that. Like, how did you battle that? I've never in my life have felt that the things I've failed at were me being a failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, you know, blame it on the way I grew up. Um, blame it on, you know, my mom being a, f- a phenomenal mom, mm-hmm. um, you know, blame it on whatever, but I just never felt like I was actually a failure at anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, a, I'm like, uh, unlike a lot of people and I don't like to compare, but I don't, I actually really like, like risk. Like if I, if I were to, to figure out a or B, a company to open, I would actually choose the one that has the most risk of, of failing. Um, mm. because you learn so much from those experiences and growing that, yeah. um, and those ups and downs that, you know, eventually you're going to get to a point where you've learned so much that you'll, you'll get really successful by all the failures you've had, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're a failure. Mm-hmm. It just it, didn't work out. Right. Right. The yeah. person who may consider themselves a failure are the ones that go into a business have really, really bad expectations about, oh, this is going to, this is going to blow up. It's going to become viral and it doesn't. And then they quit and they go back to the 95 and they shake their hands and, and say, you know what, maybe I'm not meant to be a business owner. Maybe those people feel like a failure because they've tried something. But in reality, what they've discovered is that business is just not for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. like Edison said that he didn't fail you know, X amount of times by building a light bulb, he figured out X amount of ways not to build a light bulb. <laughs> yeah, that's you know. true. And I think a lot of times it's like, you have to walk into a new venture, uh, not having unrealistic expectations because a lot of times right. I think as entrepreneurs, we think like, I'm going to start this business and I'm going to build mm-hmm. it and everybody's going to come and support mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like day three, like where's everybody at? Right. No bookings, no clients, no nothing. Yeah. I see it on TikTok a lot where like, and maybe it's a marketing tactic. I don't really know. It's TikTok and social media. (laughs) Um, But I see all the time of these people like, you know, I started my soap business. I'm at this, you know, um, art walk and no one's bought, you know, a soap art, you know, in five hours that I've been here. Um, That doesn't mean you failed at it. It just means that wasn't your target audience and you didn't spend the time to figure out if the type of people that are going to this art walk are going to want to buy hand soap from you. Mm. Um, but then what happens is they get discouraged yeah. and they say, I spent so much time and money on this soap. I went to an art walk. I paid a fee for a table mm-hmm. and I didn't make a return on investment. And they wound up just quitting because they think that their, their product isn't good enough or that people don't want it in general. That's true. But in reality, it's a matter of, Trial and error. You can't just go to one place and expect like how many times have you walked into a store and said, yep, those are the exact jeans I want <laughs> on the first pair that you see. You on try the on a bunch of them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You go on extravaganza of pant trying on <laughs> <laughs> and you find your, your pair. That's the same thing with business. You, you, you just, you pivot, you pivot, you pivot, you pivot, and then you find your, your path. And I think that a lot of people also kind of hang on to the just the entrepreneur title that they'll create anything um, to have the entrepreneur title. But I, I used to actually not believe in this, but now I do that you really have to be passionate in what you do, you know, with your mm-hmm. business. Like if there's no like social makeoff, there's no passion with it. Yeah, it was my baby, but because that was like my first tech company. Yeah. But looking back at it, 
you know, it, it wasn't something that I was passionate in doing, which is what made it easier for me to let it go. Mm. So you feel that people should be passionate about their business? I do. Because the more you're passionate, the more hard work you're going to put into it, the more successful you'll be with it. Mm. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about uh, passion uh, in your business. <laughs> um, do you think that as an entrepreneur, like say I woke up and said, not me, someone out there in this listening world. I want to be an entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. Should I just start anything or should it be something I'm passionate about? That depends. I mean, <clears throat> me, I, I didn't realize I was passionate in DJing. Mm-hmm. I just, I liked it. Like it was just a like, um, it wasn't a situation of like, Ooh, I feel deeply connected to DJing, but I still went into it because I needed to figure out if that was my passion. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you can theoretically, go and do whatever, whatever your heart desires to test out some stuff. That's why I tested out soap. <laughs> That's why I tested out, you know, candles. I needed to find where I fit. Yeah. And, and it, it actually wound up turning out that I fit in the industry I was in just in a different way. Mm. You know, I, I don't, I now looking back at the 13 years of designing, my biggest thing was just the emotional aspect of clients. I, I'm not, I'm not an emotionally driven person. So for me to have like little Susie saying $10,000, she wants to furnish her whole house. I can't handle that. Cause like Susie, let's be realistic here. <laughs> but then you'll tell Susie that $10,000 is not going to furnish her whole house. And then little Susie goes runs and runs to her husband. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wow, my money's not worth shit. Right. And then now there's an emotional attachment to that. So for me, you know, even though I did it for 13 years, it was, it was a struggle a hundred percent. Every, I think every, maybe one in 10 clients were amazing clients. Um, the, the other nine were, were just, you know, clients to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So you, you believe like you gotta, like you talked about the genes, which is a great analogy. You probably <laughs> should do a whole entire podcast on that, but <laughs> it's important for us to find our, our, our thing, find our business. Yeah. Um, and I, for those that know me, I'm a recovering Denise Huxpo. Like I start a <laughs> bunch of stuff, but I'm like you, I needed to find my fit in business. Like, yeah. okay, like I love community. I love bringing people together. I'm a connector. So anything that I do now, I know is going to be connected to bringing people together, be it a mm-hmm. restaurant, be it a co-working space, you know, renting out my space for photo shoots, whatever it may be, because I yeah. want to bring people together. Yeah. I love that. Yep. I love that. So, <laughs> so if you guys are out there and you're uh, an aspiring entrepreneur and you're trying to figure out, you know, what you want to do, just keep trying. It's like, it's like, uh, Nemo's father used to say, just keep swimming. Mm-hmm. When I was Dory, <laughs> <laughs> I apparently I don't watch movies either. <laughs> As Dory said, just keep swimming. Oh, it's so true though, because, yeah. and I think that was the whole point of that is just, just keep going. Yeah. Um, and to not to not look, look back in a sense, uh, and just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah. Um, and don't quit. And I think that, um, even if, even if you start something and you don't realize like, maybe this isn't for me, go with your gut. Mm-hmm. Don't stick with it and waste the time and money. Um, if you're like really not feeling it, just, just don't do it. Um, and go and try to find something that, that you really in your gut feel that it's the right thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. I love that. Trust your intuition mm-hmm. and keep swimming, right? Keep swimming. As, as <laughs> Doyle would say. <laughs> I'm not up on my Disney movies. I don't nope. know. I just don't know. That's, that's awesome. So, um, 
so you have your your fashion well not your fashion your <clears throat> interior design platform that you've created yeah. and it's doing really well yeah um so we launched uh, well, okay there there was a period in time mm-hmm. um obviously development and then we launched our beta probably october 2020 okay um first paying uh, paying design firm was april 2nd of this year and we just surpassed our 3000th user wow and but that was also from beta too but beta during beta we were really really stringent on on who we actually wanted on there mm-hmm. um it was really important that we had the users that were able to use it consistently and give feedback um and so, yeah, in such a short time frame, what was it like six months ago? That's um, crazy. Yeah, we're we're doing phenomenal, and and it's amazing. We're actually going to be the first to market. Maybe I should have everyone sign an NDA. Yeah. If, if, yeah, just email in anyone who's listening, <laughs> sign the NDA. No, it's going to be launching soon anyway. Um, but we'll be the first to market also with with intertwining a social media management platform into a business and project management platform for interior designers. So, mm. um. That's extremely interesting. That's our, that's our, that, that one thing, that one feature is, is really, really interesting because it takes a different approach into a unified platform. It's Mm -hmm. not just, you know, oh, manage your tasks and, you know, your billing and your projects and, you know, managing everything encompassing design. It's also now going into marketing for designers and being able to allow designers to truly have an all-in-one tool that that they can really do now everything um, between designing managing the finances of the business managing employees managing their projects managing their vendors clients uh wow now social media we're doing um add-ons later on where if a designer you know niches in home staging we'll have Mm -hmm. an add-on for home stagers uh specifically um you know showroom and pos system uh, is also coming um, you know, there's the, the, really the sky is the limit and a lot of, and that was really the premise of how Indima was built was because there's no one doing this. There's no one saying and putting on a light bulb saying, why do designers have to have seven different platforms mm-hmm. to do their job? Mm-hmm. And then all of those processes are really disconnected, um, where your, you know, click up well, actually now click up can talk to everything, but let's just say your Trello can't talk to like your QuickBooks or your Trello, unless you use like Xavier, of course, then they can talk, but then that's another platform you have to throw into the mix. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, our goal is, is to just be, you know, encompassing everything that designer can, can do, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to manage their business and and their projects and marketing now. Um, And then the other thing too, is we can actually bring this out to market for general construction uh, and architecture Wow. Um, and then, of course, at that point, then really all of these uh, trades can really talk to each other and be on the same page with their projects. So it's, it's really big. It's, it's, um, it's super big. Yeah. And but you found the pain points. I did. But there's downfalls to that, which mm-hmm. that's another thing you have to realize in business, too, and, and how to overcome those downfalls. And the downfalls are it's a really robust platform. It's it's a monstrosity already. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to. I, I don't really like this word, but I said it three times before. So here's the fourth pivot <laughs> um, and, and really understand that you need to allow your user to customize what, what they actually want and what they don't want. And we do that pretty well too. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's exciting. That's 100%. awesome. And pivot, you know, it's not your word, but it's your word now. Apparently. Yes. Pivot, pivot, pivot. So talk to me about, um, some advice that you can give to an aspiring uh, individual that wants to be an entrepreneur or they're currently mm-hmm. an entrepreneur and 
they've experienced a lot of failures or they have an idea and they're not too sure and everybody's like why are you doing this this is not even your thing like why did you want to get into tech you're not even a tech person that what do you say to those people part, that last part it irks me so i would be a millionaire this this like year because uh in 2012 mm-hmm. i bought bitcoin i bought bitcoin i had i think at the time it was like a million coins in Bitcoin. Um, and it was like 25 bucks when Bitcoin first came out. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend that said, you're stupid. Why are you buying this stuff? Like, like that's not even real money. Like that's a scam. I was like, Oh shit, it's a scam. Like I need my money back. And I got my money back. Oh my God. And I am not a millionaire, but that's okay because I, I learned not to listen to other people. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I, I think to answer your question, it's it, there, there's a couple of factors that go into it. Number one, don't listen to other people mm-hmm. um, unless it's your customer. Then listen to them because if they're not doing, if they're not buying your product, what is their opinion? That their opinion is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're not, you know, on your services um, and you're they're paying you for services, then they mean nothing to you. So don't listen to anyone who's not hiring you. Yeah. Um, to to perform that service or for that product. And I would say uh, just keep pushing Um, for those that are struggling and are constantly questioning themselves or doubting themselves. Don't that's I mean, it's normal to do that, but don't base your decisions off of that fear and off of that that risk, because really, at the end of the day, basing any decision off fear is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's when you're actually going to fail because you base the decision off of just a feeling um, and not you know, everything that's, that's happened since, uh, that's, that's actual factual stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say those two is just keep pushing and, and don't listen to anyone Yeah. except your customer. Yeah. Cause and you're, and you're right. I mean, people will always have an opinion and that's what sure. it is, is it's your opinion and you need to listen to your customer because that's your audience. It's your, it's not your friend. It's not your mama. You know what I mean? It's not your cousin. No, you should listen to your mom anyway. Stop it. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> stop it. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. And I think the there's there's a caveat too to listening to the customer because uh, another interesting thing about me, I've always hated the phrase the customer's always right mm-hmm. because they're not. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not about who's right or who's wrong. It's about doing what is right. Um, and I've never been a fan of that saying. And so even with customers, like, like all the time designers say, Hey Tim, you guys should add this to the platform. It's like the craziest idea. And you really have to then be able to, to say, look, do 99.999% of our other users Mm -hmm. want that? Or is this something that they've, they've expressed that they want or that you feel on a business standpoint that it's going to be successful, that you're going to get return on investment for it. Right. So it's a, it's a calculated, um, listen, I should say. So we, we don't take every single feature. I mean, mm-hmm. we'd probably be broke if we did. Right. Um, but of course we're picky because we have to make sure that not only the person asking for that is happy, but 99% of other people who are going to be using that, if they even want it, because yeah. then why waste my time doing it? That's true. That's true. So it's just got to be calculated. Calculated. Okay. And what's the mantra or the quote that you live by? This is a good one. So <laughs> I didn't realize um, that it was this at first. Okay. And I recently got it tattooed and I got it tattooed because I started seeing it and like the words clicked, like it wasn't, if it, if it makes sense to you. Um, 
before I got it tattooed and really listened to the actual phrase, okay. I've always felt that way. So it was always a feeling of this. Um, I don't chase, I attract. What belongs to me simply finds me. Mm. Um, and that goes back to like, I've never dropped a penny in marketing. Like, you know, I, I just, I attract, you know, positivity. Um, I always see everything as, you know, oh, you know, we like, for example, if you say, oh, I hope I get a goal of, you know, 3000 users by the end of this year, key word to that is hope, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the key word hope is actually a negative keyword because now you're like, oh, I hope versus it being, that's a fact. So if you say we're going to get 3000 users by the end of the year, and if you keep telling yourself that, that's, you know, you're attracting that. hundred mm percent, -hmm. um, I believe in that because it happens all the time. Um, I don't go and market. I don't like, I don't do anything. Like I'm very lazy with it, hundred percent. But we have over 3000 users. It's yeah. working, you know, something's working, whether it's our product, whether it's just me attracting that or, you know, people align with the type of company we are and the values we have, mm -hmm. um, whatever it is, it's just working. And so everything that, that happens, it's always a, it's always said in fact. Yeah. I don't chase, I attract. And what's the rest of it? What belongs to me simply finds me. Mm. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. I think once you, you have the mindset and within your soul that you are attracting, not chasing, you will operate and function in that manner. And everything that you mm -hmm. do, your skills, your, your task, whatever it may be, your functioning, I'm attracting, I'm not chasing. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing this. So I, I think they all go all in alignment with each other. For sure. Mm -hmm. 100%. And yeah, of course there's marketing. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. That's just a, a standard thing. Um, but I think it's just, you know, the the decisions are much easier with that mindset. Um mm -hmm. And, and having it be a factual thing in your mind, I think it actually trains you differently on ways to approach different situations mm -hmm. versus like, um, you know, having the mindset that having that goal, um, you know, a lot of decisions that made that are made from those goals may not be the right decision for the business. Mm -hmm. So for, for me, I think it's like, it really, really helps with that. You know, whatever feels right, really, at the end of the day, like mm -hmm. if you list out A through Z, all of these, you know, solutions you have and, a feels amazing, then go with A. Yeah. Uh, just go with your gut. And mm -hmm. most, most times your gut is way, way better at gauging that than your mind. Yeah, because your mind can trip you out, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not in a good way either. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but that I believe that. I mean, we had a conversation earlier about me and, and launching something new, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it wasn't anything that I set out to do. It wasn't intentional. It's just I was just being me in this yeah. great world, and then things started to come to me. People started to come to me asking me to help them do what I've done for myself. Yeah. And I didn't chase it. No. Nope. And it just came. Yeah. Just like with um, my podcast for mm -hmm. interior design. Um, I just did it as an out as like, this is me venting, yeah. you know, and designers started asking me, emailing me questions. And then I started mentoring for free. Cause I don't, I don't like the whole paying for mentoring. I've never been like a fan of that. I'd rather mm -hmm. like to me, Someone coming up to me and saying, hey, Tim, thank you so much for mentoring me and making me successful. Like that alone to me is like a million dollars. Yeah. A million dollars in, in actual money. That's going to be gone in like three weeks. Yeah. Maybe less. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just that um, admiration that that I really yearn for um, yeah. that, you know, I someone saying, I know I can go to Tim and trust him and, and he'll, you know, take his sweater off his back if, if I really needed it. 
and mm-hmm. you know i'll fail just to make someone successful like that's just i've always grown up that way and, and you love to serve way. people i mean you served me yeah. when when you were helping me out with my business and yeah you just love it yeah that's I, just who you are and i i hate money money makes people do things that they shouldn't do mm-hmm. it, it makes people make decisions in a different way um when you disconnect yourself from from money um things are different it's it's weird I can't, yeah. I can't really put my finger on it. But. There's a really good book. I don't know the author's name off top. I have to look it up, but it's called The Go-Giver. Mm. And you probably should read it because it's totally so much like you. Um, and just how it's so important for us to give to people because, yeah. you know, it's going to come back to you. And that's how you are. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you your flowers right now. Yeah. Um, you're a very giving person. Very... Um, accessible um and helping people to grow because you love that you want to see people shine you want to see them grow and you don't need a payment you know if you want to bless me with a coffee or whatever that's cool you know what i mean take Mm -hmm. me out to dinner Mm -hmm. if you want to or whatever but it's the the words or or the gratification comes from you seeing people grow and it's so weird too because i get a lot of a lot of shit in my industry Mm -hmm. like there's they a lot of people think there's this um this alternate motive I have by doing things for free. Like, like you shouldn't be doing things for free. Like what, what is your motive? Um, and there really isn't like, like it's hard to explain, but why can't people just want to do good things for good people, uh, and, and be okay with not getting payment? Like when did we ever turn into a society where it's like, no, you, you have to pay me $10 for this. Right. Uh, Instead of it being like, you know, I've done stuff all the time. Like, Hey, you can't afford $10 right now. Let maybe, you know, you can do something for me. Maybe, uh, you know, post a picture about Indima on your Instagram that you have like 500,000 followers on uh, and, you know, call it even. Yeah. Um, people don't do that these days. So, or I should say it's rare that people do that. They don't, I call it the good exchange. Right. I love when people give. Um, so check out the book, the Go-Giver, it's by Bob Berg. Not sponsored, by the way. Not sponsored, but check <laughs> it out for your reading pleasure. Such a really great book about the power of giving. Mm. And um, just, it, it's a powerful tool, and you give to people, and it will come back to you. Karma. Yeah. Good karma. That's 100%. right. I love it. So we're about to end this podcast with my friend, Timothy. He's been such an amazing yes. guest, dropping knowledge and gems on us today. Um, tell us what's next for you. That's that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? 15 more businesses, I don't know. Um, By the end of this year. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, one thing is I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur naturally, so I, I probably will come up with another business here and there. Um you know, mm-hmm. but I think my main focus now is, is, you know, giving back and, and really working with Indima. Um, one thing we did with Indima was partner with a nonprofit called Okodwella, where they build houses in rural areas of Africa. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's 10% tough. of all of our revenue goes to Okodwella. And so really just focused on giving back, creating this platform for designers and general contractors and even architects to really, you know, um, grow, let them grow in their business. And I'll have to focus on 50 other platforms and um, you know, just the sky's the limit. So I guess I'll stick with that for a while. Yeah. Check out Timothy. Uh, you have a, where can they follow you or. I don't your, like social media. Okay. So. <laughs> your, your website for your interior design platform. Yeah. It's Indema. I N D E M A dot co. Um, feel free to reach me on email too, Timothy at, I at Indema dot co. 
Um, I'm pretty approachable. So if you need any help on anything, of course, Amanda is also, also willing to help you as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's where you can reach me. His information will be in the show notes. And Timothy, thank you so much for dropping in. Thank you for having me. Talking about life and giving and business. And we, I, I got some more things to talk to him about after this podcast, y'all. Because <laughs> I got some things I need to, you know, launch real soon before the year is over. So I just want you guys to go out there. Be great. Never give up on yourself. Believe what you believe is your calling, your purpose. It's in your gut. You believe it. Go for it. Do it. And don't forgive to give because it will come back to you. Trust and believe. Listen to Timothy. He knows what he's talking about. This guy, he just drops stuff and it just attracts to him. So make sure you have a change mindset moving forward in this year and get ready for 2022 because y'all gonna kill it if you set your mind to it y'all take care